Someone, someone whispered in my ear they heard it's going to be a long, cold winter, so let's get it. I hope so. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Footy Fellas Pod, F O O T Y Fellas Pod. Today we're discussing the U.S. men's national team with a key come from behind victory in World Cup qualifying and Newcastle soon to become the team to beat in all of world football. Those are our main topics. But first, Icy, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Soccer related, Liverpool dominated. So that's excellent. And overall, the weather's nice. I'm feeling great. What about you? I'll kick it off, if you will. The fact that we hosted a mini soccer putt-putt or soccer golf tournament in our apartment uh, last night. We had, it's our second annual Footy Fellows Presents, the Backstreet Boys are back, uh, sync tour, extravaganza, um, mini putt. Spon- yeah, sponsored by Pringles. Sponsored by Pringles and uh, Tampax. And um, it was electric, as always, a four-course um, meal or just a four whole course, whichever way you want to spin it, uh, where we, uh, we led a, a, a gang of about nine of us, I think last night, um, ranging in skills from expert proper golf putters to, um, people who, you know, m- might be able to name three positions on a soccer field. And I feel like it's the perfect kind of indoor mini putt soccer thing that you need. You need to know a little bit about how, how balls move on the, on these surfaces and just general coordination. Um, but it was a, a rambunctious time. Uh, drinks were flowing. Um, there were, there were a lot of great shots. That was the other thing. I think, you know, the people who are, who are objectively, you know, people you would think are intuitively the best at something like this. I don't think had the best shots. I think maybe they have the best averages overall, but you had, um, you had some, some just great, great aggressive shooting. All, all, all along the course. Um, but an exciting tournament, one that we'll need to bring up to Minnesota, I imagine, at some point. I'm so curious. How did so how did this work? You guys just hole number one. You all take your shots from it. and It's definitely a player by player, as in one at a time is shooting. But you, you know the layout of our apartment. For everyone listening, it's a pretty small apartment. So hole one is threading through the living room and these are mini soccer balls that you're either rolling or kicking or you know not going crazy with but just putting some effort behind putting some force into pull one through the living room around the little island in the kitchen you have to finish between the cinder blocks underneath our coffee table hole two you go from the living room the other way round the bend round the little corner into my room avoid two stools uh, there happened to be some footy fellows socks, some paraphernalia in there. If that piqued your interest as you were working through the course, and then you had to finish onto the yoga mat green, so it gave it a little height. Uh, you had to finish into a uh, empty box at the end of that third hole. 
had to clip it into the bathtub. Anywhere inside of the bathtub was the hole. So a little chip action. And then fourth hole, work, uh, work around some obstacles in Max's room. So it was a pretty, pretty creative course. And nice. there was just enough gallery space in every, for every hole, in every room. Uh, whether it be the bed, people sitting on the couches, where the the whole crew could follow along for each <laughs> player's journey, so it was it was a good time. It was a great time. Nice, nice. Um, does that explain the broken window there in your living room? Is that is that something from last night? Yeah, well, that one we, that was we initially we were going to do like a driving range. It was going to be we we're going to do a soccer driving range in here and after we took down the TV, took out the window, um, Eli's parents visited, we took them out. So it, we, we decided to go a little lower, low energy, a uh, little less, less power on the shot. Um, it was also, I think the event was catapulted by um, a, an impromptu a surprise birthday for Derek Grammer, a, a contributor to the podcast, uh, where we coordinated with his girlfriend, Anesh, to supply drinks and cake and balloons uh and uh and when he arrived we gave him the old turn the lights on and surprised him with everyone else who was here um and maybe that included breaking a window and just to <laughs> elevate the we're not sure whether it was that part of the night or whether it was the the golf he was so shocked he was just so shocked he flung his shoe off <laughs> exactly <laughs> went right through the window but it was a, a smashing success. We will be doing it. You know, we did the, we call it an annual thing. We might have to make it a seasonal. Mm. Might have to make it a seasonal and might have to, again, coordinate. It doesn't have to be just a Chicago thing. It could be a multi-state. Great success. Take it on tour. That's for sure. So does the word, here's my question to you. Does the word success, if you break that down, is the etymology success? For the U.S. men's soccer team against Costa Rica, is that where that word comes from? Because of the because of the U.S. at the end. That was a stretch. <laughs> I am not flexible, and that was a stretch. <laughs> that was some hot yoga stretch right there, man. That was. Um, yes, I think the etymology of success is directly from that game. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't catch the game, so if you guys saw it, I would love to hear what, what some of the highlights or lowlights were from your perspectives. Didn't catch the game, but I saw the absolute rip from Dest, I believe. The left foot upper. I mean, it was his top corner beauty as you'd ever want. It must have felt so good to hit that shot. Uh, and that tied it up one-to-one. I think I think Costa Rica got off to a one-first-minute goal start or something crazy like that, so... We were on on the back foot, at least in the beginning. Even before that game, we live-streamed, us three, live-streamed the game versus Panama last weekend, last uh, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, last Sunday. And we had a great time. Fun to live-stream. A lot of folks came through. We ended up with like a 1,000 different people over the, the course of the game, which is awesome. And folks that stayed the whole time, thank you. We appreciate it. A lot of fun. The U.S. looked really bad. And I don't think we, like, we were just kind of commentating and joking, talking about other stuff as we went, but we weren't perhaps being as critical as we could have of the U.S. And they obviously lost 1-0. There's a lot of shenanigans and all this stuff. But then going on social media after that game, they were just getting destroyed. Like, they were getting torn apart. People saying, Acosta looks so bad. He needed to go. Should never touch the field again. Giassi Zardes, he needed to go. He looked horrible. Like, Berhalter, decisions, all this, all that, whatever. Getting, like, wrecked. 
I was like, well, maybe we weren't, you know, obviously we might've been too nice to the U S but we didn't, we weren't like trashing them throughout the game. They just didn't look good at all. Um, so coming to this game, they were near the top of the group, but this is the last game before another break and another, a pause in, in qualifying. So they kind of needed to get a result against Costa Rica. I turn on the game right from the start and Costa Rica scores a minute in, like you said, I see. I was like, all right, shit. <laughs> I guess that's, that's that. Like hopefully we'll still make world cup, but kind of a bummer. And then the U S brought it back, made a game of it. And, and uh, to what credit do you give that uh, resilience? We'll call it um, uh, to the players or do we give it to, to the coach? You know, that's a great question. I was just trying to look at the timing of substitutions in this game against Costa Rica. I think it was the players. I think the players fought back. And it's it's significant for that reason, especially because it wasn't just this 2-1 win, but the fact we went down 1-0 right away and Dest, like we need studs like Dest to pr- produce moments of brilliance, which you haven't really had in the past for the US, or at least that often. Uh, because it's you don't have individuals that are that talented up until now, to be honest, or at least that many of them at the same time. And so it was great to see Des just take matters into his own hands, a couple touches inside, rip it, lefty, top corner, 1-1, one, one, boom, we're back in the game. And then they just fought. We dominated the game from there on out. Good energy. Uh, good energy. We scored, before, we scored both our goals before any subs came on for the U.S. So it was just the team that was out there. Pepe looked good. You know, he didn't bag a goal, but he was working, keeping the ball. He looked pretty good. McKinney and Adams back in the middle. They looked they looked solid, strong, I'd say. And Weah caused the second goal, even though it was technically an own goal for the U.S. He looks very dangerous attacking. So he might he might get some more starts in the future over Ariola, even though Ariola seems to still be the the preferred option for Burhalter. And after seeing these results, I see. Um, and, and seeing how well Canada had performed in their game against uh, uh, Panama, a team that we you know had had just lost to earlier in the week, um, I think the table has us looking at uh, Mexico in first with about what fourteen, and then the U.S. in second with twelve. Just top of the head, oh, 11. Oh, I was close. And then Canada at ten. Um, currently, we're in those top three spots, uh, which are automatic qualifiers for the World Cup. Do you feel like we should still hold a top three place with our current form that we're in, Icy, or or do you or do you see that we still have a a, a big battle ahead of us in order to maintain um, top three status? I think we can squeak out a top three in our current form. The form I'm not pleased with. I thought that Panama game where we watched the entire all of it, ninety minutes plus, was just bad. Very bad um, showing from the U.S. So, you know, these next eight games, which is astounding, you know, eight games, a lot of games, anything can happen. We've Every game has got to be played like it's it's the qualifying match, which, I mean, they all are, but it's like win or go home sort of mentality. I think that's got to be the, the mindset from the team. I mean, that's 24 points on the board. Any team can go up and down in, in that stretch, so. Seeing uh, Panama at number four definitely has me thinking, well, that game really did mean a lot. It's probably the one team we need to be mindful of in this whole thing, huh? Yeah, all these other teams, like we're thinking top three, who could even vault into that top three, knock out Mexico, U.S. or Canada? Sure, Panama's in fourth and they beat the U.S. I don't know how they fared against, well, they just got destroyed by Canada. Have they played Mexico? They tied Mexico 1-1 earlier, which is kind of interesting. That's one of Mexico's two 
draws is one of them is against Panama. Costa Rica, their average age is like mid thirties. It's like 33, wow. 32 or 33. Wow. They're super old and they looked really slow, just tired. They didn't have any energy against the U S again, same as the U S a lot of games in a couple days, but no energy. Jamaica has gotten beat up on by a couple teams and they don't look that strong. El Salvador and Honduras, obviously really struggling. So it doesn't seem, I couldn't make a case for any of those teams to vault into the top three, which is why I'd say for sure us is in there. I guess that's where I'm, that's where I, I net out. I, I, I feel pretty certain too. Um, it, I, I, I guess my question to us too is like, do we think it's too early to be thinking, uh, you know, how like world cup, is it too early to be thinking things like, cause, cause I want to say, Hey, we haven't really, really fielded our first team. You know, we've had moments where we've done it, but like we haven't had Reina and Pulisic and McKinney uh, all on the field at the same time for a consistent amount of, of games. Um, you know, we've had players hop in and out. Uh, we've had games where we've had to rotate, you know, half the squad that hence the, that Panama game. Um, is it too early for us to be thinking, Hey, where's the, you know, what's, what's our best team look like? And, and, you know, how can we prepare ourselves for the world cup or is it just one and the same? Like, that's what this is. You know, we are trying to do that, uh, but we're also trying to win this tournament. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, getting past qualifiers is great. You make the world cup. That's one step of the, of the process, but make it to the world cup. I, I want to see the U S win a game or two in advance out of the group of, of that. And if we don't have our guys, our best teams aren't playing together often and kind of getting the chemistry down it's it could be brutal in the world cup you know get to the world cup that's great but what's our goal you know what's what's the u.s team's goal in the world cup and it's going to be to round of 16 round of eight at you know at 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 least you know it's got to be at least our goal i i am excited for the days where the goal is something more than make it out of the group stage because that's what it will be like at this point even if people want to say it's you know, we, oh, when we're winning the World Cup 2026, it's coming home, we're winning the World Cup, or this year, like, we're going to the semis, whatever. Dream big. Dream big and get excited about the team, obviously. But it's still going to be get out of the group stage. Until, I don't know what it would take. I guess it would take a finish above that to, to propel our goals to the next level. But I would be excited. If we made it out of the group stage, depends how we lost, if we lost in the round of 16. But making it out of the group stage would feel like a win, depending on what the group is, I guess. It also feels, and when we get ready for World Cup stuff, we'll have our, we'll, we'll be in a better World Cup mindset place. Regardless of you, I'm not jinxing, I'm not saying when the U.S. are in, I'm just saying when the World Cup's, you know, here, we'll be thinking about it a little bit more. But um, it 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 feels like, uh, it feels like no team is really safe. And then, you know, we'll wrap this up here. But like, Germany could not qualify out of their group. You know, you can have a world power that just doesn't seem to actually put the pieces together and they flounder out. So you know, expectations in a, in a world cup, uh, bears just scored. We're very happy here, guys. Uh, I think world cup, um, expectations are always a tricky, tricky thing. The one thing I would also want to look into, Oh, that's right. We had the European qualifiers. Yeah. The crazy, the funny thing about talking to friends who are of European descent or live there, or just root for those teams more heavily is they always give us crap for how easy the CONCACAF qualifying process <laughs> and teams and bracket is compared to these European standings to your point Jones. Like you could have, you know, Portugal is in second in the group right now behind Serbia. 
I think it's only the first team in all of these groups in European World Cup qualifying is guaranteed to go through and other teams have to join a, a playoff. And so you have good teams. You have Croatia, who's in second in their group, to Russia. And they might have to be in a playoff to make the World Cup potentially. Or uh, Poland with Lewandowski or, you know. It's, it's just so much harder to qualify in Europe than it is in our bracket of eight teams where we just need top three. And that said, we would still love to see, because we were, we're talking with a Norwegian fella, we'd love to see like Norway going on to El Salvador and play it like easier said than done, brother. You know, you can't bring your skis down to <laughs> San Salvador and get anywhere, right? No one's going to know what those are for. It's, it's a little trickier to, I think, to go into Central America. Yeah, it's interesting take, you know, not an uncommon, unusual take for the Europeans to, to, to be a little salty with our, our road to the World Cup. But, you know, let's let's be real. If you're playing, uh, who did um, England or some big team beat up on like Gibraltar? It's like, OK, Gibraltar is this little island off the off the coast of Spain. You know, their claim to fame is a big rock. <laughs> I think I think a soccer team from Gibraltar is probably going to get smoked. <laughs> this is your 22nd take on like, just, hey, take it easy. Take it easy, right? Gibraltar, it's one big rock. You just beat up on them. Take it easy. Slow your roll. That's true. That's true. All right, what do we think about, uh, let's move to our other big topic, because it feels like the U.S. is in a good spot. We're in a good spot with the U.S. We feel confident they'll make the World Cup without jinxing anything. Don't put, pin this one on us, but we do feel confident they'll finish top three at this point in the uh World Cup qualifying, and they also have Mexico coming up next uh, month from now. So that'll be a, a fun game at the very least, even if they lose. Still in good shape, fun game. Newcastle, that's where more question marks remain, perhaps, as they, they bring on these new owners. You might need to fill in exactly who has purchased the, the club, Jones. So there was a fun saga going on. Um, well, there was so much going on with football over this past year coming out of the pandemic. You had the Super League being founded and then and then collapsing um, and then you had all these owners starting to reach out and, um, and and be closer to their fan bases more or less you had Messi leaving Barcelona you had Ronaldo heading to Man U um, and then and then you also had that story of uh, just the country essentially uh, there's a more technical term of Saudi Arabia buying Newcastle and uh, all that comes with all the baggage that comes with that and the uh, the uh, you know, human rights violations that they're, you know, accused of. Um, uh, and it was, it was rebutted. Um, it was del- the answer from the Premier League this summer was just delayed. And um, in turn, it seemed that the whole takeover was uh, kaput. The, well, nothing was going to come of it. And then this past week, Newcastle, uh, it was just announced that Newcastle was formally bought by this Saudi conglomerate, uh, just the Royal family, essentially. Um, and um, and now uh, among all of the elite European teams in the men's football sphere, Newcastle is the wealthiest out of nowhere. They now can buy whomever they want um, if they could attract them. And it's a it's a really fascinating story to watch. I think, it, you know, as Newcastle is comfortably at the bottom of the table right now, you wonder if they might actually stay afloat. Um, and even stay in the Premier League, they probably will. You know, January's coming up. And and with January coming up, I'd be curious to know if you guys have any thoughts on who Newcastle might bring in as their first wave of transfers 
uh, and the money bags start to uh, leave the bank, if you will, or enter the bank. I guess it's entering the bank. They're entering the bank. Um, and, I, and I'll also say, hand, hand up in the air, I don't know what Newcastle needs. It feels like they need everything. So <laughs> I don't think it really matters what position you're going for. I think it's like what kind of, what kind of people are there um, to help the team out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we should preface that new ownership in Newcastle, but the team is hot garbage. <laughs> There's no denying that. They sit in seven, 18th place right now. At least they were this morning. They might have fallen. They're in relegation zone. Uh, beep, beep, boop, bop, Twitter bot here. Newcastle have a planned budget of just 50 million pounds for the first window under their Saudi Arabian owners were on the street. Um, 50 million pounds only? Sounds like a lot of cash, but in the realm of soccer, might not be terribly too much. 50 million pounds could buy them some good stuff. I, like you said, Jones, don't know exactly what they need. They need everything. Um, but look, they will be making moves, no doubt about it. And they will be trying to avoid relegation. That's probably their key 100% goal. Um, and once they do, gosh darn it, year two is going to be wild. Next season is going to be, it's going to be nuts. That team's going to be, that's going to be a fun team to, to pay attention to, monitor, because they could shake up the top six for sure. There's been plenty of memes that that lit up the soccer meme world online last week, the takeover, just thinking about every player, you know, teams looking back on Newcastle, reflecting after 10 years of winning the Prem straight, stuff like that. Um, but the, the re- even the real reports seem ridiculous, where the, the quote-unquote real reports coming out from uh journalists about newcastle is that you know cavani greenwood rashford like four four man you guys four man city guys four tottenham guys like they're all on the table they're all being considered which is just a joke but 50 million pounds that's interesting i see that's some good info because maybe they want to take it slow to start or just not go crazy yet for whatever reason yeah i definitely and i maybe a huge consideration is avoiding relegation. It, it wouldn't be super, um, you know, might be a bad, bad look if you spend a lot of money right away and then get relegated. Then I think it, it becomes harder as a club to pull in great players because it's very questionable. Do you, are you guys going to consistently stay up or am I going to risk my fame, my name as being a championship player? That's a great point. That's a great point. Their best finish in the Premier League as a club in the last decade, I, I, guess, I suppose, or almost a decade, is 2011-12 when they finished fifth in the Premier League, which is pretty strong. But then since that year, they have been down to the championship twice and haven't finished in the single-digit slots in the Premier League at all. So a couple of 10th, 15th, 16th, 13th, 12th place finishes throughout the last 10 years or so. Uh, would a Erling Holland bring them into the top 10? Is he good enough by himself? I think yes. But is he worth a lot more than 50 million pounds? Also, yes. So who can they get for 50 million pounds that this year that would make a big difference? Um, is it a uh, Liverpool win trade him, but is it Simikas? Is it a left back <laughs> who got a taste at stardom? He got a taste at glory before Robertson came back and now he wants to, he wants to be the man. He wants to be a big starter. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, do they, do they pick off some, 
Norwich players who Norwich we talk about is definitely going to get relegated. Um, do they do some loan options instead before their huge reorg um, next season? Yeah, it's. I don't know. Everything's in play. It'd be it'd be interesting to to see what they're saying in the boardroom. <laughs> I'm trying to look into how much. So you know, whenever we read these kind of insights about they have X amount of cash. I mean, like Man United put into the into the zeitgeist uh, during the COVID transfer time, whatever that they could only spend fifty million dollars. This is back when they were trying to get Jaden Sancho and stuff. Um, and this is the year before they got him, which they didn't get him. They ended up getting Cavani. And Tellez and um, uh, Ahmad Diallo and Facundo Palestri, they ended up spending close to like 80 million or something um, in, in total, which makes me think Newcastle could be the same thing. I think it could be, you know, they could go across the board, in which case, in my head, what I wanted to look into is how much Man City spent when they were first bought. Um, and I can't isolate specifically which year because I'm just doing this on my phone, but it looks like 2009 10 is when. They, well, I'll, I'll put it this way in 2008, 2009, uh, Man City, I'll put it, uh, let me give me add, add context 2007 and 2008 season. Man City brought in uh, Vedran Chorluka, Roland Bianchini, Elano, and Bojanov uh, for a total of what looks like maybe 40 million. And then in 08, 09, they brought in Rabinho and Joe, and together that was about 70 million. So that seems like a little bit more, but not as comprehensive as the next year where they then brought in Carlos Tevez, Emmanuel Adebayor, Julian Lescott, Ro- Roque Santa Cruz, Colo Torre, and Gareth Barry. And that's comfortably $140 million. <laughs> So I feel like when you when you got the deep money, the money starts flowing pretty quickly, at least as soon as possible. Um, so in my head, I think <clears throat> a strategy they would want to employ is bringing in Yes. Can you bring in a big name player like a Holland, of course, you know, like the Mbappes of the world. People are going to look at that. But I think what they want to bring in is proven Premier League talent and talent that are like, you know, the benches, these deep benches that you were just saying, Eli, these Mm -hmm. deep benches from United or City or Chelsea or Tottenham um, uh, or or, you know, or Crystal Palace, you know, really bringing in these deep, deep benches. Um, but, uh, the last one was a joke, but, you know, <laughs> players like, uh, a Martial or a, um, you know, a Bernardo Silva. I mean, these are, these are guys who will be, you know, top quality players played in this league, know the pace of the game, um, and probably would be eager to be playing on another team that they could build, um, and get game time and actually make a difference. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some of those names drop. It's a question of, uh, whether these other clubs need to sell players. I think those players have to want to leave. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's a strategy. I don't know if we can name players. And if we want, I mean, look, guys, I'll give you Martial. I will give you Donny Vandebeek. Are we, are we the Newcastle board all of a sudden? I, what do you want? Yeah, How Judge is the, the United board. <laughs> I will get, you want Ole to coach Newcastle? <laughs> yeah. I'll take I, we, we you're going to you're gonna have to throw in like 10, 10 mil. <laughs> done help us out done well i'll pay you whatever you want for ole i was i was thinking about it some more and you know it's got to be very common and just business negotiation tactic reasons for why a club which everyone knows has endless cash to say a number because when you negotiate with players and their agents 
they are going to try and get every single penny they can. But when you when you point to like we're only wanting to spend fifty million, it's a hard stop in a way. It's not actually a hard stop. They're trying not to spend more money than they need. Um, I've also got some uh, beep beep boop bob <laughs> transfer news, some Twitter bot transfer news. Kylian Mbappe will quit PSG next summer, regardless of the size of the club's offer of a new contract. Barcelona are planning a January move for 26-year-old Manchester City forward Raheem Sterling as a replacement for Usman Dembele. Bayern Munich's Robert Lewandowski and Borussia Dortmund star Erling Holland are on PSG's transfer shortlist for 2022. The French club want to bolster their attacking options if Mbappe leaves. And last but not least, Manchester City have been signing have made signing West Ham midfielder Declan Rice their top priority as they see him as a long-term replacement for Fernandinho. So, some interesting moves. Kind of expected, but... Big clubs going after big names. That's <laughs> what they do. Parts. That's what they do. That's a, uh, it's a sports center commercial. What's the Geico? That's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, I don't know. Just say, just say a brand. Home Depot. Jimmy John's. Okay. It's what we do. <laughs> Jimmy John's. It's what we do. Sign big signings. Like the classic all-you-can-eat all steak footlong from Subway. We just signed them. Dodge Ram. Dodge Ram Charger. Pull whatever you want. It's what we do. I think that worked. <laughs> no? Newcastle is going to wait and see where they're sitting in a month or two when the, the transfer window opens to your point, I see they don't want to spend money and then go down where they have big players, big, big cash on the books that they can't unload or need to. But Jones introduced some good data that it might take a bit, a bit of time to roll this uh, roll out their spend package from the new Saudi ownership it might take a couple of years before we see Newcastle ruling the world. I will, I will say I'd, I qualified that. I, I don't know precisely when they were taken over. I was just saying for reference, that was when they were, you know, you could see that there was an uptick. So we'll see if that's this winter. We'll see if it's the summer. But I think I think Newcastle fans would be disappointed if they didn't get anything. They got relegated. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, the owners come in, but they don't, like they're not going to put any money in. <laughs> right. We're tightening the books. We're going to become Brentford. We're going analytics, money ball, figure it out, super efficient. Curious what uh what Helen, what our friend Helen at the women's soccer show would think about this takeover. Probably should bring her on. Have to ask her next time. Next yep. time we chat. Any last minute Premier League chit chat games you want to highlight? It was kind of a crazy weekend. We wanted to keep this episode brief, but it was kind of a crazy weekend in the PL. Uh, I, I was very satisfied with the Liverpool performance. A lot of peace there. Liverpool performance. Say that 20 times fast. I dare you, Jones. 6.30 a.m. I woke up for the early game and it was a, it was a banger. 5-0. Watford. Yes, Watford is lower in the table, but dominant performance. They scored the goals they needed to. It was a City-esque goal-scoring performance, which Liverpool doesn't do nearly enough. So it was nice to see that. Leicester City, Man United, we got up uh, for 9 o'clock viewing there, and it was a little bit what we somewhat expected. Uh, United not really showing any tactics and just going all all vibes. That's what they try to do out there. They try to bring their vibes. And uh, after a great goal from Greenwood, uh, 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 Mr. Yuri Tillman said, I-, I can do that, and he did something cool. 
and then Lester just kind of pulled away. There was some more drama later on, but but ultimately, Ole out is uh, trending everywhere now, uh, except for our rival fans. They seem to like him. I'm not sure why. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, they had a game. They had a game, didn't they? Well, Brentford showed up, but couldn't buzz their way onto the score sheet. Big saves. Mendy's looking like possibly the best keeper in the world right now. Mm. And didn't he win that award last year? No, he didn't, even though they won the Champions League. No, I won that award last year. <laughs> Mac, Mr. Max winner, everybody. You don't forget it, Eli. Come on. Shout out to Icy for posting a couple of uh, predictions, a couple of plays that he liked from this upcoming weekend. And the first two so far have come true, both in pretty wild circumstances. But Lester over Man U, a lot of that just rhymed. And Wolves with a 3-2 come from behind win, which you obviously foresaw. Definitely. Absolutely. 100%. And Jimenez had a hat trick, right? Was that right? <laughs> uh, I'll cut that part out. Make you, seem, make you seem like you really knew what you were talking about. You just need Crystal Palace to pull through against Arsenal, and you will be a certified guarantee, as they say in the business. I'm a betting man. Not really, but uh, I pretend to be. <laughs> I'm going to start putting my money where my mouth is for these games. Because all my bet, if I get Crystal Palace, I'm 100% worst and best plays. That's true. That's true. So listen to Icy. Appreciate listening to us. Also listen to Icy on social if you don't already follow us there. And we'll see you next week. Take it easy, guys. See you next week.